This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street, next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome into another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WYRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us on the program today. We are going to talk with Robert Crotty. He was one of the organizers of a phenomenal grassroots movement that deployed in Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana to really sway the election for Donald Trump. We're going to talk about putting that grassroots movement together, about how they reached voters, and uh, it's really an interesting story, uh, regardless of what side of the political aisle you're on. Uh, it, it was a great execution of Grassroots 101. We're going to do that in just a minute. Before that, though, we had a chance to sit down and chat with Indiana's newly elected Attorney General Curtis Hill. He's getting ready to take office first of the year. Had a chance to talk about his transition into office as well as some of the big topics he's going to try to tackle in 2017. Here's that conversation. We're the Pillage General speaking with Curtis Hill. He is the newly elected Attorney General for the state of Indiana. Curtis, how's it going? Good, well, how are you? Great. Congratulations on your big win. You've got to be very pleased with the election night results. 
I'm uh, very pleased indeed. It was very gratifying to have the level of support that we had and uh, certainly a vindication of my efforts in uh, reaching out to a lot of folks across the state. You were the top vote-getter across the state of Indiana. Uh, that was something that I predicted a couple weeks ahead of time. Why were you so popular with people all across Indiana? Well, a large part of that is that we went all over Indiana and we met people from all walks of life, all cross-sections. And I think we had a very consistent message that uh, um, was very positive, was forward-thinking, was really about what we needed to do to improve the lots of people, and uh, it was very encouraging. So take us through what election night was like for you. Where did you go? What did you do? And when did you start feeling pretty good about the results? Well, I, I felt that we had a very solid connection um, across the, uh, the state. I, I don't want to suggest that we were overconfident, but we were certainly, as the, the parliament you referred to, ca- cautiously optimistic uh, going, into the, going into the evening. Um, but we were at the JW Marriott with the uh, um, uh, re- most of the uh, Republican team was at the uh, Marriott uh, celebration mode for a big night. And um, as we were, as the polls had closed, there were certainly early indications that I was receiving some texts from all over the state. Um, about how we were doing in the various counties, which was very gratifying. But we knew fairly early on that things were going well, and uh, certainly they called it for uh, President-elect Trump uh, quite early in Indiana, and the numbers that we had were demonstrating that we were tracking ahead of of, uh, uh, the President-elect. So we were feeling pretty good, even though they didn't call our race for a little while. We understood that we were in pretty good shape. A lot of your campaign was based around the great work you've done as a prosecutor, both at the GOP convention where you were nominated, and then, of course, in the general election. It's got to be pretty good to to feel that people reviewed your work over uh, many, many years and that this guy's done a phenomenal job. Well, that's the benefit of having a a history and a record of uh, uh, political service. Uh, Being a prosecutor is not political in its nature, but it certainly requires a political acumen uh, in terms of getting elected and then maintaining the office. But when you're in office, it's really about making decisions that are um, affecting the lives of everyone, not just people who support you. And that's an important factor for anybody who's engaged in public service. So I think the role, my role as prosecutor, my history and record of pro- uh, prosecution, and in particular, of the fairness standard. We're very tough in terms of our accountability standards here in Elkhart County. Uh, but we're also very fair. We apply them to everyone, and we're very uh, known for that. And I think that had a, uh, a real handle in allowing people to get a better understanding of who I am and what I'm about. Here goes to the newly elected Indiana Attorney General, Curtis Hill. What's the transition period like for you? Not a lot of time between Election Day and, and when you're sworn in and, and officially get uh, get rolling. No, there's not a lot of time at all. In fact, it's, it's, it's uh, really a double-down process for me because I have to transition into the Attorney General's office, which is a uh, rather large uh, state law firm, over 400 people. And at the same time, I have to transition out of my current office. In fact, uh, this evening, there's a caucus in Elkhart County uh, to select my successor. And uh, I, uh, I'm, so I've been engaged in that process because I feel very strongly about making sure that that transition goes as well as, uh, as possible. But it's been very busy. We've put together uh, uh, a core team of volunteers to, uh, to come together to review uh, procedures and processes within the AG's office. Uh, we're going to be um, identifying uh, key personnel um, and really trying to establish a foundation that allows us to go forward with the vision that we have for the office. Uh, over the course of the next four years.
how does life change for your family? Obviously, now you're going to be down in Indianapolis a whole lot. So what, what is life like for them? Well, uh, you know, I have a large family, and, and uh, they're, they're pretty busy. I mean, my kids are uh, mostly consumed with their school, um, and I've got two still left in high school. Um, so they, uh, they're constantly doing their thing. My big trick there is to make sure I don't disrupt their lives as much as possible. So I want to certainly do as much as I can um, in, uh, in service of my state, but also in keeping with uh, making sure that I uh, stay tuned in to what's going on with the family. So there'll be some adjustments. Uh, um, early on, um, I, particularly in this uh, next six months, we're going to be spending a great deal of time learning the, uh, the ropes in the AG's office, but um, we plan to make sure that there's some uh, nice adventures for the kids as well. Well, let's talk about the first, you know, couple, couple, three, four months out of the gate. Uh, what are some of the big issues you're going to look to tackle? Well, uh, aside from establishing a good working foundation with the men and women who are working in the Attorney General's office and, and steering that culture in the direction that I want it to go, uh, we really need to start hitting the ground running on the uh, issue of drugs in our state and how it's impacting ordinary people. Um, looking at potential for solutions, um, solutions from an enforcement standpoint, solutions from a treatment standpoint, and most importantly, solutions that wrap themselves around prevention, getting people away from these illegal substances that are killing our, uh, our young folks all over the state. Um, that is a huge priority on the minds of lots of people throughout the state. Uh, a lot of the focus right now is on opioids and heroin, but it's no different in terms of uh, people who are strung out on methamphetamine and other uh, dangerous substances. So I think that's a, a priority that we're looking for. Uh, we're going to be looking very carefully at what's happening with the federal government. I think it's important uh, for Indiana to grow its economy uh, so that the people here can have the best opportunity of success. And we want to make sure that government's not in the way, whether it's the federal government or even our own local state government. Um, we want to make sure that everyone uh, in this state has a ample opportunity to uh, seek out happiness as they find it. And uh, that's a, a very important aspect of the AG's role. Again, our guest is uh, Indiana's newly elected Attorney General, Curtis Hill. Uh, you sit around and think sometimes that when you first ran for prosecutor out in Elkhart County, did you ever think, man, I'm going to be the Indiana Attorney General? Well, I don't. I, I think we all have, uh, uh, we, we have thoughts about where things are going or where you're going to be down the road. I try not to get too far along. I know that when I first ran for prosecutor, and uh, I was successful. I had there were people that had me move into another office uh, even before I got sworn in officially <laughs> as a prosecuting attorney. I, uh, I, 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 and I appreciate that. I, I think that might be a, a, at least a, a testament to what uh, some folks believe I may be capable of. But the reality is, I stayed in that position uh, for four, well, at least three and a half terms. I'm in my fourth term now, and I did it because there was a job that needed to be done. That's what I signed up for, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to do that. Um, so I didn't spend a whole lot of time in those 14 years as prosecuting attorney thinking about what was next. Um, at this point, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of challenges and where I can best use my uh, uh, abilities, limited as they might be, uh, for the betterment of my fellow citizens. And so right now, I think that role is as attorney general, and the, the timing works uh, fairly well for my family. But there's no such thing as perfect timing when you're running for office or accepting the challenge of this nature, um, but it's certainly a little bit better when the kids are a little older than when they were uh, all babes in arms a few years back. So I, I've been curious about this for a long time, and I wanted to ask you after the election. We were sure you were going to win, but I wanted to make sure you did. 
How much did going through a primary process where you had to crisscross the state uh, and find people in all pockets of Indiana, how much did that help you at being a statewide candidate? I think, well, I think it's essential. I mean, there were, you know, if you look at, if you look at the vote totals that we had on November 8th, I think that's clearly a testament to the amount of work that I put in. And that work began uh, last year when we started the process of traveling around uh, for the convention delegates. As you, as you know, 1,800 delegates across 92 counties is really hard to get to. And when you get to them, even when you've accomplished it, and you look back, you've only got 1,800 people who you've really been delivering your message to um, very thoroughly. So it was a very good training ground to get into the trenches uh, and into the weeds of, of where to find people. And so as we move forward, uh, we've been able to connect and add to that. For example, last evening I was at a second district meeting, uh, a meeting of the second, second district chairs and vice chairs. And I even made the comment how, how different it is to come into this meeting where I know all of you, when a year ago I knew none of you. Right. Uh, so, close with this. Uh, obviously, you're going to be trying to get a message out to people across Indiana, especially as it relates to drug use and things of that nature. Is there a strategy for that to go to these media outlets doing these interviews like, like you are today? Because I think that's, that's going to be key in you uh, tackling this, this huge, huge priority. Absolutely. I think it's, it, is, it is getting the word out. It is making sure that people understand what the dynamics are, um, what the issues are, and getting the regular average person to be vested in recognizing that they're part of the solution. Everybody has to give thought to these, uh, to these potentials uh, for solution. And I think um, uh, participating in programs like yours, gathering information back, but also exposing my thoughts to others. And then uh, what I'm hoping is I'll be on a show like yours, Rob, and someone may call in and, and, and say, hey, I was thinking about this. And so the next time you and I have a conversation, you can relate back to me some of the feedback that you're getting based on my appearance on today's show. Um, that's the way this process needs to work, and I, and I anticipate being able to do whatever I can to use media to expand the reach so that I can receive information back and feedback in terms of what people want to talk about and then find out what they're willing to help out on in terms of investing in solutions. Well, Mr. Attorney General, I know you're going to do a phenomenal job. Uh, it's great to have you in that office, and uh, best, of, best of luck uh, as you help Hoosiers across the state. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate your, your support and assistance, and uh, call me anytime. That was Indiana's newly elected Attorney General Curtis Hill, and he's going to have a lot of big issues he'll be facing in 2017. Look forward to see how he tackles those very tough topics. And as always, it's a, a real privilege to be able to speak with him. I think he's going to do a great job. Also on the program today, we had a chance to sit down uh, late last week and speak with Robert Crotty. And Robert Crotty was part of a group uh, that organized and mobilized in the states of Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan, a grassroots group of ordinary citizens to help elect Donald Trump. They did a lot of door knocking, parades, sign distribution. It was really a uh, phenomenal uh, effort, regardless of what political party you are or, or leanings you have. It was a great study in grassroots politics and how effective it can be in uh, swaying elections. So we had a chance to sit down and, and chat with Robert about that, uh, about that whole experience uh, in the three states of Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan as it related to campaigning for Donald Trump. Here's a conversation. 
Donald Trump, he is the president-elect. He'll be taking office very soon. And as we've said many times on the show, one of the major reasons he will be the president-elect is his strong showing in Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. And one of the guys who was very responsible for that, put together a great grassroots group of people that made that possible, is Robert Crotty. Robert's with us today. How are you doing? Doing fine, Rob. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for being with us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because you've actually run for public office before. You have a political background. Um, And then we'll get into kind of how you met Donald Trump. But tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, I've been politically active for 30 years. I started when I was 15. Uh, I had uh, dinner with the governor. and Which governor was that? Well, it was Evan Bayh. Okay. So uh, I grew up Democrat. We were very Democrat growing up. I've been Republican all my adult life, but uh, I, I was involved in Ross Perot's uh, campaign, which was about that time I switched, actually, 1992. Uh, so I, w- I worked at the state headquarters of Ross Perot. Uh, I've been a precinct committeeman for both political parties. At 18, I was a Democrat precinct committeeman. And then on uh, past the Ross Perot State Headquarters ordeal, which was very similar to what we just saw with Trump. And, and that was, I drew from that experience to do what we're going to talk about a little later. But uh, after that, I became a Republican precinct committeeman, very involved with the Marion County Republican Party, and, and then started running campaigns. I ran my own campaign. Uh, I've been in Washington, D.C. I've met Mike Pence on a one-on-one meeting back in 2005, talking about uh, a congressional race in Indiana. That was an, a, a great experience. He invited me out there uh, back in 2005, so uh, I ran the. I think the the closest election uh, against Julia Carson was against Mar- uh, Eric Dickerson, and I actually ran that campaign, and that was in 2006. So I've ran five congressional campaigns, and had a, a had an extensive background with politics, as I've just mentioned. So you knew what you were doing, and that's kind of what I wanted to get to, because you were one of the very early people, at least prominent people in Indiana, who supported Donald Trump. And I'm very curious, what spoke to you about Donald Trump? Well, actually, I endorsed Donald Trump before the Iowa uh, caucus, which I take pride in that because I analyzed the situation leading up to it. I didn't want to you know, be someone who jumped on the bandwagon. I wanted sure. to try to make my own decision, think about it, really, you know, like I was an Iowa voter. And I mentioned to Mike Pence about organizing Iowa for him. Uh, when I saw him a couple years ago, I said, hey, Mike, I'll organize uh, Iowa for you. And he looked at me and smiled, and, and we were at a Lincoln Day dinner. And, uh, and I was serious about that. Well, I understand how to organize things. And so, you know, I looked at this and I said, hey, uh, uh, what, what can I do to help uh, the campaign? And uh, Trump uh, stood out to me. You know, I'm a business guy. I've read lots of books about uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, business of all sorts, uh, Ray Kroc and Sam Walton. I love business. So I'm looking at this guy coming out. And I said, he will be a factor as much as he wants to be a factor. Uh, and so uh, he had high, a high name ID, as much money as he could possibly you know, come up with. I mean, anyone could come up with. So I'm like, this guy's going to be a major factor in July 2015. But I watched. And as a businessman and a guy who goes to Chicago a lot, and, and I look at this Trump Tower in Chicago, a magnificent building, one of many that, that he's been a part of over the years, I knew this, this guy was a serious player in this whole thing. And I just was excited as he as he went on and and, and into Iowa, so um, so first I first saw you uh, at the event at the fairgrounds, first event Trump did. You were on stage. You got to go out and wave to the folks and things of that nature. What was that like? Well, it was interesting because I've been politically active for so long, and it it was it was as though I was able to. Um, uh, be rewarded for my years of they call me a political activist sure, yeah, so, absolutely. So, so I've been you know running a lot of these campaigns and being behind the scenes a lot tried myself once to run in Indiana 7 uh, but you know I, 
it was interesting to be rewarded for my years of involvement. My grandmother had a handwritten note from Robert Kennedy to her back in the uh, primer, Indiana primer in the late 60s when Robert Kennedy tried to run. And John F. Kennedy, you know, gave my grandmother some things from the state headquarters. And so there was that that connection that she was able to, to, to bring to the family and say, hey, I was involved. I was really involved. Well, I got to meet Donald Trump that day, and, and I, uh, I, I talked to him a little bit about the east side and my concerns about Shadeland Avenue and the, place, the people I come from on the east side of Indianapolis. And I got pictures with him and, and got to talk to him briefly, and it was, it was a good time. Yeah, that picture is now very, very famous, obviously, because of all the work that you did to help get Mr. Trump uh, elected. And obviously, that was the first time you guys kind of got a chance to talk. Um, take us through that, uh, that day. First of all, I'm, I'm curious how you got to be up there. Did somebody call you? Did they say, we want you to come? How did you get selected to be up there on stage? Well, I think they realized what was going on with me. And the, what was going on with me is, I under, from my years of, of campaigning, I understand the national campaigns don't roll into a state ready right from the get-go. They're not organized and ready to go. It takes them some time to get integrated into the people and, and, to, and to, you know, who's for me, who's against me. I mean, this is a primary, so you've got Trump people, Cruz people, Casey's people. So they don't, they don't know rolling in what, what they're doing. So I knew that. So I thought... When I talked to Jim Morgan in March, I said, we, the stars are aligning. I'm one of these guys that looks at counties and sure. e how each county could do in an election and how, you know, how the Electoral College works or how uh, the, the delegation for the convention is going to you know, work out. And so I'm looking at this and the stars are aligning. I'm like, and this is the second week of March easily, well before Easter. I said, Indiana is going to matter. This is going to be huge. And I said to Jim Moore, I said, this is going to be huge. I said, they're going to come here and they're not going to be ready. They, don't, they won't know the ground. They won't know. the. So we've got to do something. So I actually started my own campaign independent of whatever they might come up with. I knew they would come up with something and, and get going, but I didn't know when. I didn't see anything happening. So I'm like, so we're going to make from the Ross Perot thing in 1992, we're going to get a people's grassroots campaign. And I know how to run campaigns. So I'm going to actually use social media and organize a campaign independent of the, so when they roll in, we can join the two together. I was never working against them. And I let them know that. As a matter of fact, Susie, who was in charge of the state uh, of Indiana's campaign, I, I, I called her and texted her early on. And I said, you know, we're here to help you. Um, did he have this in other states? Because, and we'll get to this in a minute, but this was so well done, what you helped put together. Uh, did he have this in other states? I'm unaware of anything in any other state. Uh, I tried to encourage people in other states, especially in the general election. Because after the Indiana primary, um, we they really needed some help, support with that primary. Yeah. That was a big deal because we distributed. Uh, I I looked at about a third of the signs our organization put out, which is you know over ten thousand signs. Yeah, which is a significant. And in Indiana primary, when everyone's sitting on their hands, you know your own friends in the Republican Party are sitting on their hands, frowning. You know, acting pretty mean-spirited. Yeah, they you know. were awful. Some people were terrible. Oh, yeah. It, it, so to have friends and allies and to have that synergy was a big deal because people didn't want to help. They didn't want to be vocal and say, hey, yeah, I support Donald Trump. They, they just wanted to sit on their hands. So uh, we, we were able to get, you know, these 10,000 signs out and then transform after the Indiana primary and, and promoting the promotion of Trump in the Indiana primary. We went on to, to say, look, how do we expand to the general election? Uh, and I understand from, you know, running all these campaigns how important Ohio is going to be. And I was really thinking more about Ohio, and hopefully we'll talk about Michigan because that's where I ended up most of my activity. 
But, you know, then I, I said Ohio, and then someone said, well, we got all these people on the north side of Indiana, I mean, north of the state of Indiana, up, up by South Bend. So, well, why don't we push into Michigan, too? And I looked at the numbers, and I said, well, I think we could win Michigan. I mean, it's doable. Illinois looked, didn't look good. Right. But, but Michigan, I said, this is doable. It, it really is. So, let's do Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. Gator guess is Robert Crotty helped organize a phenomenal grassroots group that really made a huge difference in Ohio and Michigan, uh, putting Donald Trump over the top and, and was huge in, in Indiana as well. Um, so take us through your meeting with Trump. What was that like? I'm always fascinated to hear people who have met Trump and their experience because it seems like everybody who at least is neutral has a really great experience with him. What was your experience like? Well, it, it was brief, but at the same time, you know, I got to meet him twice. Um, I met him in a, a VIP line where he he came through, and I told him what we were doing, and he stopped and he said, "Well, how's it look? How's the ground game look?" He wanted to know what is it. He wanted. To, he was always interested. Julie Melvin mentioned this too. She's she's a, a big part of our organization, uh, the the grassroots organization. But but he's always interested in what the people think. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just listening to his handlers or the people around him. He wanted. So he asked me, "How does it look on the ground, Bob?" You know, you know, not, he didn't like know me like say, "Hey, Bob." You know, how's it, you know, like my arm around me and. <laughs> but I mean, so I don't want to overstate things. But at the same time, he said, "How's it looking?" You know, on the ground because he realized what I was doing. And so, you know, whether it was then or whether it was when we met um, earlier, a couple weeks earlier, when I had a more formal setting, um, you know, I felt honored. I felt uh, that, you know, he cared about the people on the east side and, and what I was saying about the jobs lost on Shadeland Avenue. And, you know, I, I sensed a very successful oriented man, someone who who breeds success, not just is successful in his own right, which is important. It's not some, some people can be successful, but not breed success. Now, before we go any further, I need to uh, publicly, I've thanked you many times, but I need to thank you publicly. You were very influential in uh, helping me get my interview with Donald Trump, which has been huge for my career the past six months. So uh, you and, and Tony Samuel were really the two guys that helped get that for me so uh thank you for that that was you were very very uh very very nice to urge the trump campaign to let me have that interview so thank you for that well i always say that i try to do uh, you know if i said i'm going to try to do everything i can to do to help someone win an election but that's a lot when i say that that means that's a lot so i'm going to all these different avenues thinking what can i do to help donald trump win that primary and so when you and I were having those conversations, I felt like what you were saying was true, that, hey, we can get an audience for Donald Trump to promote him in Plainfield. And again, in a primary, the Republican voters are going to be what we're looking for to, to court. And so I really pushed hard on that. Uh, so, you know, I know Tony uh, was a part of that, too. And But I did work behind the scenes to try to help. So uh, just to share with people a little bit about this, you were very concerned. I know a lot of people were concerned that if Ted Cruz won Indiana, it would really reset the primary race and drag the thing out at least through June. Um, at what point did you feel pretty good that Trump was going to win, or was it really through the actual election day itself that you were a little bit worried about Indiana? Well, the way I looked at it, mid-March as I was sizing up what was going to happen in Indiana on May 3rd or 4th, you know, mm -hmm. our primary day, um, I'm sitting there looking at this going, you know, what could happen was would be a denial of the nomination. Right. I didn't think Ted Cruz would actually win the nomination at that point, but I'm looking at this going, they're going to deny him a flat out, you know, he's got to get so many to get over the 1275, I think it was, sure. to get over that hump, and if he doesn't get over that hump, then he's going to get denied. And Indiana 
was critical. I mean, the, you look at, the, I have to go back, 55 delegates, I believe it was, yeah. and, and, you know, each county. So we had set up in, out of eight congressional, nine congressional districts, we had organizations set up in eight. Yeah, and, and it's important to realize, too, because everything ended up resting on Indiana, ironically. I mean, all the whole national media and, and everybody came down and was a part of it, but there were some really nasty people here in Indiana to Donald Trump. I mean, some really, really vicious, awful people trying to keep him from getting the nomination. Yeah. When I said organizing eight of nine congressional districts, that's the grassroots campaign. Yeah. And, and that, that mindset of taking the signs and, and sitting on their hands and frowning, and I'm talking about fellow Republicans, and I'm not mean, mad about it. I'm not holding grudges. Uh, at all so but but it's just it's it's hard when they're your friends sure and they turn their back on you and they turn sure. around and, and and so you know that's the way the primaries are though i mean it's a primary and so it happened in south carolina it happened in iowa it happened in new hampshire i mean all everyone's experienced this this uh, especially if you're really involved in the game and you know it was just sad but it was frustrating but at the same time you know our organization i think i heard you say at one time we made it look fun yeah and especially that indiana primary i think we gave people hope and a reason to, to rally behind trump and that you know everybody you know other people were doing it too type of thing i told people this because everybody kept saying well trump he doesn't have much of an organized ground game or any organized ground game and i said doesn't need it he's got these amazing people that are doing this work and i would love to read the um you had you had a a forum basically where people could post things and i would say somebody will post that they're going to be at a local restaurant in let's just say batesville for two hours and you come get signs and the person would come on an hour later and go out of signs and i said somebody's taking these signs i said so these people are trump voters were you surprised at how passionate the response was from people when you started putting the grassroots group together i was surprised that it was you know i had all types of responses in the sixth congressional district which lines indiana and ohio I was out there in Muncie, and and uh, we were delivering signs one day at the mall, and the mall police come rolling up on me, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. You know, I was down at uh, uh, st- across from Steering, my friend owns Steering Restaurant in Indianapolis uh, on the east side, and uh, some guy goes walking by and, and uh, uh, ends up calling the police on me. I didn't even do anything. I, I was just passing out signs, and he said there was a distress, you know, just kind of sure. So the police roll up, and they're like, you know, there's nothing going on. They just leave, you know. But I was in another situation where I was in uh, Lawrenceburg. Maybe it was Batesville. No, it was Batesville. Excuse me, it was Batesville. You mentioned Batesville. I'm in a Dairy Queen, and I'm passing out signs. I put a 1,000 signs out personally on the six, in the 6th Congressional District for that primary. So I'm driving around, met with Spencer Smith, and, and he put we've got hundreds of signs up against the building. I mean, you had to see, going through Greensburg, and you got, <laughs> you're driving around the corner of Greensburg, and you light up. There were over 100, and we spread them out. Yeah. So there were over 200, 300 signs spread out against this building this guy said we could borrow. And it was a sight to see. I wish I would have took a photo. I took one, but not of the whole, all the signs out there. But I, so I'm back at Batesville, and I'm at the Dairy Queen, and it's a huge parking lot. And I'm passing out signs in the, for this Indiana primary a few days before the primary, five days or whatever it was. And this guy comes walking across a lot, just like the mall, just like the other things. I'm going, oh, here it goes again. I'm going to get kicked you can, off. You can, you can spot them. Yeah, I, I'm going to get kicked out of here. This guy's mad. But it was such a huge lot. I thought, I'm on the way other side. <laughs> no, I'm not bothering anybody. Because walking around, and this he's walking through a blocker and a half to get to me. And he walks over and he says, you for Donald Trump? And I said, yeah. And I said, do you own this Dairy Queen? He goes, yes, I do. 
And he said, he says, can I have some of them signs? And <laughs> I, he started taking the signs. And he started putting them around as Dairy Queen. So the guy in Dairy Queen is great. I, I, maybe I'll meet him again. But uh, Okay, so one of the things that you did, which was fascinating to me, Trump wins the primary, wins very easily. He's the, the nominee. And a lot of times what will happen after a primary, somebody who's organized like you do, uh, they'll shut it down or they'll, they'll, they'll shut it down for a little while and say, hey, we're going to get back together in a couple months. You immediately not only transferred to general election mode, but you were smart enough to say, We've got to expand this thing to Ohio and Michigan. How did that come about? Why did you do that? Well, I understood how important Ohio was going to be. And so I looked at Ohio as, as a critical moment. Now, if Michigan would be, if we won Michigan, that'd be, you know, just awesome. But, but I really, we had to win Ohio. And I understood as a political student that that was real important. So we had all this organization in place and that, that lined Ohio, Congressional District 6, for instance. We had a great group of people in Congressional District 6. I'm thinking if we just pour over, we all have brothers, sisters, cousins, nephews, you know, friends across the state line. I was in Lawrenceburg, which you could throw a rock at Cincinnati yep. in Lawrenceburg or, or at least Hamilton County. So, and it's, it's not about an hour from my house to Cincinnati. So, you know, when I looked at oh, my ability to, to operate, you know, people later on were saying, why don't you expand to Pennsylvania or Arizona or Florida? I'm like, well, I don't live there. Right. You know, we have a synergy of a tri-state region, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, that we had people in South Bend that could, you know, walk across the state line, literally, and be in, uh, you know, St. Joe County, you know, Michigan, you know, or uh, Niles, Michigan, or these places that we ended up going to. Or, you know, we could get to Cincinnati in, in a moment's notice. Dayton's not very far, you know. So we, we could push ourselves out and then use social media. So we weren't just social media, Facebook, you know, account, we, you know, that just kind of brought people in. We were uh, uh, people who did things. So we, when you do action things, when you're moving signs and when you're trying to promote, you know, a, a candidate on the ground, um, you don't want to do it in Arizona when you live in Indiana. So, or, so. Again, our guest is Robert Crotty. He was the organizer of a phenomenal grassroots group uh, that ended up playing a huge role in winning Ohio and Michigan and Indiana for Donald Trump. Um, how many people did you end up with in this group by the time it was all said and done? It was like over 15,000. Is that right? Well, we had uh, about 13,000 people on the main Facebook page. We had Twitter. Uh, Julie Melvin ran Twitter, and we had uh, Jenica Combs was doing an Instagram account. So we had a full-blown social media ordeal going on. Uh, but we, we had another group. Uh, we had a women's group that, that was about 750. That, so it was it's specifically for the women. Uh, but it was it was an interesting. Uh, then we had behind the scenes. We had several pages behind the scenes that were secret groups. But but uh, we had about 110 people and a couple honorary people. Yeah. So probably about 115 people altogether behind the scenes. So take us through what a trip to Ohio or Michigan was like for you guys. What did you do? How did you reach people? Were you going door to door? Were you continuing to do the you know we're going to be at X business handing out signs. What did you do in these, for lack of a better term, foreign states? Well, Cincinnati's not that far. So one of the things I did initially was talk about how important it is to knock on doors and to use to help to help plug into the campaign itself. So um, in Indiana, I knew Susie was running Indiana. I knew her very well. We had been working in a lot of ways side by side. So um, I understood how important what they were doing in Carmel was. I understood how important Hamilton County, Ohio was. Uh, again, I'm a political student, so I went to Hamilton County, Ohio immediately because, you know, this was before the polling data started showing positive results in Ohio. Right. So I was real concerned that, like Mitt Romney, lost Ohio by about 100,000 votes. That This was going to be one of those one point, one way or the other. Or sure. So Cincinnati, Hamilton County, that why there's so much attention is it's a, 
historic swing county in the country, not just Ohio. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a, a lot of emphasis by Trump's campaign in, in Cincinnati. It's not that far. So I was trying to encourage people to knock on doors in, in Ohio. You'd go as a group, right? You'd get a couple of people in a car and go out well, there. I'd and encourage it. And then I'd also encourage it on social media. So if you live around Cincinnati, come meet us there, you know. And so we did that um, and, the, you know, trying to encourage people to help their local offices whether it's in Detroit or whether it's in Cincinnati or, or Indianapolis. Uh, we were also involved in a parade. Uh, so the, the, that was in Michigan. Yeah. And so Julie we, told us about that. They had a, you guys had a tank or something like that, right? It was a huge bus. Yeah. A camouflage <laughs> bus that Julie Melvin and Ted Melvin uh, drove around. And, and Julie was actually dressed up as Trump. And we've got pictures on our social media site that just were awesome. I mean, just the, the optics of it was, was just incredible. But we had 100,000 people around two miles. And you think, well, how do you get 100,000 people? Well, two miles, like the Indianapolis 500, I mean, you got a huge right. you know, area. And then you line it. It was fully lined with people along for the parade. It was the Apple Festival Parade. So that was one of the things that, you know, I, I brought in thousands of signs into southern Michigan. Because what I started seeing was the, the polling data for Ohio was, was getting, it was looking good. And I knew if, that, if it went up there, then Michigan was getting closer. And I didn't know if we were going to get to that break point of, of zero, where one point up or one point sure. down type of thing. So I'm thinking, as I'm looking at the polling data, end of September, mid-September, Michigan's probably pretty darn close. So we need to focus on Michigan. And then I pretty much went on with that, yeah. with this parade. Uh, I've worked uh, seven counties, southern count, seven uh, counties in the southern part of Michigan. I've worked every one of them. But that parade was a huge, huge event. The numbers from 12 to 16 in that county, the county is uh, Cass County, and that was a. Uh, if you look at the numbers from 12 to 16, there was a major pop there it, it's in inter- all those counties. Well, it's interesting too because you think about Trump won, ended up winning Michigan by like 10,000 votes, and you think one day like that, one day in a county like that, is a huge, huge difference. Just that you were able to do that may have made the, the difference in the election in Michigan. Well, we brought up 500 signs. Uh, into southern Michigan before the parade. We brought with us another 800-yard signs. I brought in probably 300 bumper stickers into into that Cass County, St. Joseph County's to the east of of Niles, Michigan, and we worked that parade. And we and people were coming from Grand Rapids down to that parade, and people were coming from South Bend, Indiana to that parade. So it was pulling from all that region up north. But uh, it was we injected. 2,500 signs into those seven counties in the South outside of Michigan's campaign, the Trump official campaign. I am curious, how many times did you have to go back to Trump headquarters and ask for signs and were they ever finally just like, what are you doing with all of these signs? Um, (laughs) I didn't tell, you know, basically the parade, there was some generous stuff going on there with the parade uh, because of impacting Indiana. I realized that. So uh, they were giving up signs from their... um, we got signs from lots of places, but um, uh, ended up with an additional 6,000 signs that we um, had independently ordered uh, and paid for, and, and got, we got those out in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and also throughout the middle, middle uh, part of Michigan. Uh, so, so tell me this, because the average person is hearing this going, you did all this stuff, you're not a paid campaign worker, it's not your job, you have a great private sector job, why did you do this? Like, it's not like you were knocking on doors for a couple days during the primary. A lot of people do that around your neighborhood. You, why? Why did you do this? 
Well, I felt like Michigan could be the difference whether Donald Trump would be president or not. So that when it came down to that, that's why I did it. Uh, and you know, when I said earlier, if you know, if I if I'm going to do everything I can do to help a candidate win, what I know what to do is a lot. So, um, but why I did it was, uh, you know, I, I grew up poor in the city, and I own two companies now, and I saw my country. Um, for, in order for me to become successful, and I've been becoming successful every year, I've been becoming more and more successful. I've read hundreds of books of how to deal with business and how to be successful right. in personal development. I saw my own government over the last five to six, seven, eight years with Obamacare and everything else actually being an obstacle for my success and my pursuit of happiness. So for me, it became with regulation in my industry, with with. Uh, the thought of Obamacare and socialism taking over this country, I looked like looked at it like I needed to fight against my own government, specifically a corrupt Hillary Clinton candidacy, in a Barack Obama socialistic style. You know, eight years to be successful. So if I'm going to be a success in this great experience of of life, my pursuit of happiness, I needed to fight my own government, and it meant me doing whatever I could do to make sure that we won this. All right, let's talk election night. Uh, at what point, uh, well, take us through what election night was like for you. What did you do? Where did you go? And at what point did you start feeling like, hey, maybe all this work actually paid off? Well, I do remember doing a video going into uh, the Marriott downtown in Indianapolis where I said to the group, uh, about 110 of us, a little bit more than that, I think, with some, some people that were part of the group that weren't officially part of it. But but I just put a video out there. Uh, we use social media a lot. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, 50-50 chance. So I didn't have this certainty about me. I did think we had a shot in Michigan because I had been on the ground a lot. You know, I, I, I set up three headquarters in southern Michigan. Uh, it, throughout the seven ca- southern counties. So I felt like because I was there, I, I, I did videos. I did like eight videos, live videos in southern Michigan and had over 200,000 views. And then I pushed it through Mich- Michigan social media. So we were promoting these ideas in Michigan social media. So I felt like I had a, from social media standpoint and from the actual ground where I was sitting there handing out signs in Hillsdale County, which is by Hillsdale University. You know, I'm sitting there on Highway uh, 12, I believe it is. It goes east and west across Michigan. I'm on the ground 10 days leading, uh, almost every day leading up to the election. I'm on the ground. And I felt like we could win Michigan. I really felt like it was, I thought it was going to be close, but I really felt like there was something going on there. I mean, 35 to 1 signs as I drove down 12 in Michigan. I'm looking, you know, know, Trump sign, Trump sign, Trump sign, and no one had Hillary Clinton sign. Yeah, and it's always a tough guessing game because you're trying to offset major population centers where people aren't putting signs out and people, you know, in a single apartment complex, you know, you could get a thousand people vote in mass and you got to make all those votes up over uh, over time. Now, is it true like the day before the election, if I remember, you stood over a bridge or something like that, like a, a very crowded highway and were waving signs? Is that true? Well, it was the Thursday before the election. We wanted to use social media to get time to get the excitement, th- you know, thrown out in the region. We're always looking at the regional, trying to get things promoted in the regional sense. And it wasn't just Indiana. We we did bridges uh, and promoted Trump uh, over overpasses and so on. And it did reach Michigan. Uh, my understanding, there were, were there were dozens of Michigan. We had counterparts in Michigan. I had developed about 70% of what we call team members or admin members. 
I personally developed, and we had an extensive network in Michigan of people that were part of our grassroots team and in Ohio. So they weren't just Indiana leftovers from the primary. We expanded real people in Michigan and in Ohio, and those people in Michigan ran with this. So I know that we had a lot of these overpass signs and honking and and, uh, I was very worried for your safety because I was watching this on the internet and I thought something's going to happen to him. He's going to fall off the bridge or something. I'm going to have to go <laughs> ply him up off the off the street or something. But uh, it's just it's just phenomenal that you guys saw that, and so I was very uh, very curious. In the in the time we've got left here, uh, you went to the Mike Pence event, right? He came back to the airport and gave a speech after the election, and they knew you. You have a name now, right? You're what are you? You're the Michigan guy. Well, I, that's what happened. I, I didn't. I mean, the reason why I think it there's a couple reasons I think it might have happened, but one is that I had several hundred thousand views of my Michigan videos. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, you know, just out there on the streets, you know, on the Highway 12 in Michigan doing live videos, and one of them had 105,000 views, one video. So I think I hit a chord with some of these videos I was doing, uh, you know, around Lake Michigan. Up uh, uh, There's this very poor area where all these Hillary Clinton signs were. I did, you know, in the manufacturing base, and this huge building was falling down, and I did a video there. And I just did, did video after video in Michigan. Whenever I could take something, and many of these had 30,000 views, 50,000 views, and so on. So I think what happened was the campaign people that were, you know, behind the scenes had watched some of this stuff go on. And because of that, when... Um, Joe Alexander uh, was there. He knew me, and he was part of the background group with Pence that landed on the plane. Uh, he said, "Bob, you know, he looked. We looked at each other. And he said, Bob, I want you to come here.' And, he's, and so as he escorted me around, I said, I wanted to talk to Mike. I knew Mike. I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I, I've known Mike, and you know, not we're best friends, but you know, he invited me to Washington D.C. in 2005 for a one-on-one meeting, and we have it. We've had that moment where we've talked here and there and everywhere." So he, I said, I know, Mike, I would like to talk to him. And he knew that. And he said, sure. So he started bringing me around the whole group of people that were waiting, uh, you know, like a, individually by myself. And I think Susie was with me and another person. But the, the people, the Secret Service people, the people with the earphones pieces and all this, they kept going, the Michigan guy's coming. The Michigan guy's coming. <laughs> so I'm going around and I'm going around the barricades out around. And they brought me to Mike on the side. And but about four people it wasn't one. It was like four people. The Michigan guy, the Michigan guy. I'm like, oh, this is funny, you know. So what was it like to talk with uh, now Vice President-elect Pence? Well, you know, kind of going back to my my grandmother in in the uh, Robert Kennedy campaign. When you you know you're touching history, you know, and you know Robert Kennedy died a few weeks after he he talked to my grandmother and gave her that handwritten note, and I had that handwritten note. Um, you know, I got a picture with Mike. But, you know, he's a vice president. He's, he's a friend at some level. And uh, it's vice president of the United States. I mean, and then, you know, I've got to meet now the president of the United States. Now, I didn't, I've never met a, you know, president. Well, I you know, shook a hand before, you know, to I think George Bush, you know, kind of in a walking line. That was a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I really was a part of this. And I felt special. Well, I think Donald Trump's going to do a lot of good stuff. Uh, I want to close uh, with, with this. Um, obviously, today, the day we're taping this, the carrier announcement coming out, um, that was a campaign promise. You mentioned that the folks around you and on Sh- Shadeland that you grew up with and everything that, that were so important to you, I'm sure you feel um, some sense of pride today knowing all that work you did are, are going to, in some part, help a 1,000 people keep their jobs. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are going to be able to keep their jobs and, and have jobs. I think the economy is going to grow because it's been pinned up for the last eight years. I think it's going to grow by leaps and bounds. 
and I'm excited to be part of that. And I'm looking forward to the regulation in my industry that I talked about, uh, them shutting that down. It was supposed to take effect in 2017, and it's not just my industry. You know, I've heard farmers, you know, have talked about regulation. I've heard all these different, you know, uh, gas and oil and all these regulations that are bottling up our country, and it's bottling up my business. I know that. And I'm looking forward to that relief and, and a, a, a massive economic turnaround. Robert, uh, I, like I said, and obviously they're aware of what you did, but uh, the, I think a lot of good things are going to happen in this country, and a lot of that is going to be made possible because of the, the work that your group did in Ohio and Michigan and, and Indiana. And like I said, thank you from, from a personal perspective for all the work that you did to get me that interview. It's been uh, very, very important important for my career and and things that have happened good things that have happened for me the past six months were because of that so thank you well if you've been a part of the trump indiana ohio michigan people's grassroots campaign stay tuned because that organization is going to continue for three more years uh, because we have another campaign coming up it won't be long all right excellent hey don't forget if you missed any part of today's conversation check out the podcast anytime you want we're now on soundcloud and itunes and uh you can uh, download the show right to your smartphone or tablet go back and listen anytime you want as always the podcast presented by by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com.
Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.